This podcast is part of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. To learn more, visit listenfrederick.com. A movie or TV show is made up of many components. First, you have the writer, the person or persons who writes a script based on new or old material. The director will come up with a vision of what the film might look like. The director will meet with the designers to come up with what the vision will be. And then it is up to the creative people who create the sets, the clothing, the makeup. In the case of our interviewee, a person and his team that makes the props that are integral parts of the production of a TV show or movie. Hello, this is Steve Merkin, host for today's edition of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Normally, I come up with a funny opening to the show, a silly voice or maybe a line or two from a film or TV show we would be discussing. But today we are, as previously mentioned, interviewing one of the creative people that is behind the scenes who makes the bits and pieces of many memorable films and TV shows. Today, we are interviewing Michael Moore, president of HMS Creative Productions. Michael has been in the prop productions since the 1980s. His first stint was on Tales from the Crypt, and he's been involved in prop production on many diverse films and TV shows, films like Rocky IV, I Will Crush You, <laughs> Beetlejuice, Home, 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 Hook, Peter, You're a Pirate a number of Hobbit films, and so on. As for TV, he is, is involved in shows like Dinosaurs, a favorite of mine, not the mama, not the mama, Earth 2, Space and Beyond, Above and Beyond, and Justified. But for us hardcore sci-fi fans, it's Star Trek movies and TV shows that catch our attention. TV shows like The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and movies like Star Trek 4 and 5, Generations, First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis. But before we begin our interview, we are the big sci-fi podcast. In order, alphabetically, we'll start with... Hi, I'm Adina Mignona, engineer by day and sci-fi author the rest of the time of the Robot Galaxy series. And I'm Brian Donahue, pastor, church planner here in Northeast Ohio, musician, writer, and really excited about this interview and our brother chris is out this week so we are uh sad to say he you're not going to hear his lovely voice on this particular podcast so just a shout out to our friend chris chris probably would have opened with hello and good good yes. uh, hello and greetings or something like that <laughs> greetings and hello anyway <laughs> and i'm steve merkin i'm the uh resident uh old guy here and uh, so happy to be able to interview a person who proves that Facebook is really not the evil genius that it was, but is actually a smart genius. Um, I just happened to have seen a posting on Facebook about this in, in, uh, individual and I just sent him a message and he responded and he could have ignored me, but he didn't. And he responded, and I asked him if we could interview him because when I looked up his IMDb page, I thought, this guy's been doing movies and mm -hmm. TV shows for a long time. 
And in the area that is most interesting, the production of props. The, you wouldn't have a phaser if it wasn't right. for a prop man. You wouldn't have Thor's hammer if it wasn't for a prop man. Um, so without further ado, and now that I've, I guess, blah, blah, blah about, my, about our, yourself, Michael, in your own words, can you tell us a little about the history, how you got in the film and TV, and about your production company? Sure. So, um, and in, in reality, I'm going to correct you. Okay, from, thank from you. Your, okay. So my first real stint in a paying position for uh, in the film industry was a movie called Reanimator. Oh, wow. So uh, Low Budge was king at that time only because, you know, uh, I started off actually doing makeup in the film industry. Okay. Uh, and then moved my way uh, into doing different things uh, throughout all the years. Um, I've worked retail. Not that we haven't all worked retail for some reason or another. Uh, I've, I've worked uh, in aerospace. I've worked in, um, I worked in a, wor a wood shop at one point. Um, all these things, all these different jobs you've had has contributed to your ability as a prop maker. Yes. Yeah. I, I basically my, I've always been one of those people who, you know, something would break in the house and your father goes, well, I got to get another one of those. And I'd say, <laughs> okay, can I have this, you know, and go and take it apart. So uh, I started off as always being that kid who wanted to take apart something and then always went, I'm not putting that back together. It's too much stuff. Uh, as well as, um, you know, I've always been into puppetry. I've always been into uh, stagecraft type of things. Um, uh, I experimented with, with horror makeup and stuff like that when I was younger mm -hmm. in high school. Um, and in fact, one of my friends, uh, Jeff Farley and I, we used to, right before Halloween, have a, we would open up a, a, a the front room of one of our friends' shops and do horror makeup that they could remove and then glue back on their face. Mm. Okay. So that was fun, <laughs> you know. Um, but in general, yeah, I mean, I started, my my first real paying job was Reanimator. Um, and then I went on to working on Troll and a couple of other really low, low, low budget films. Mm -hmm. um, but previous to that, I had worked for a company doing uh, called CPC, which is long out of business. And they used to do the Pappy Parker fried chicken animation okay. and the Pillsbury Doughboy and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So I got a little bit of that under my skin um, way back then, and, and including doing mechanical uh, device to have a carnation instant milk travel through the air tumbling <laughs> that was while i was in high school wow. um and uh yeah you know, it's i've done a lot of stuff you know everybody <laughs> here has done a lot of stuff but yeah you know going into um you know if you if you look at the, my imdb page mm -hmm. it doesn't really list everything i've worked on it's it's probably only about 60 percent 
Okay. I, wow. I, I, as far as films, I've definitely worked on probably closer to five or 600 films. Oh, wow. Uh, probably close to three to 400 TV shows, commercials, um, displays for companies. Mm-hmm. And, and you name it. You know, whatever comes through the door, generally speaking, is what I end up doing. Right. So you never, you never went to like, college to learn prop production things like that like, oh no see, like, <laughs> my, my my youngest daughter went to cal state fullerton she got a degree in theater manage theater management mm-hmm. one of the requirements of was to take a prop class so mm-hmm. she learned from this fellow by the name of bob west who was at mm-hmm. cal state fullerton how to make props right so she was she she learned about that. And this guy was a grizzly old character that everyone was in fear of, except my daughter, Jenny. And the reason why is because she would. They would say, let's make this. And she'd say, great, give me the power tools. And she would dive in. And, you know, so that's where, you know, she learned how to do those things. But in your case, it it seems like it was more like your own inert skills as. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, basically it was, you know, I was always out of my three brothers. I was the guy who crawl under the car with my dad mm. to fix the transmission or, or timing belt or whatever. Um, I remember when I was eight, my, I was asked, what do I want for Christmas? I said a toolbox. So I literally had a toolbox with mm-hmm. hammer wrenches, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the only training, and I'll put quotes on that, yeah. the only training for school, because when I was going into college, I was going for, um, uh, one of my classes with technical calculation. Uh, and then I kind of stopped because it was like, that's really boring. This is, <laughs> you're not going in a direction. You're not making this, you know, any teacher who's doing any kind of math, but they make it exciting. It's great. Mm-hmm. And if not, you just want to go, I'm mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Um, then I also was, I went to uh, Cerritos College because uh, they have, a, I don't know if they still do, but they had a plastics program. Wait, mm-hmm. Cerritos, like USS Cerritos? The, that's, like, where, that's where it lowered, comes from. Like the ship that's, on Lower Decks? Yep, that's where it comes from. Actually, uh, well, if, every, if you watch, when you watch Lower Decks, everything uh-huh. is about California. They talk about yeah. all uh-huh. the different craft uh, and everything uh-huh. are California-based area. So yes, that's where the Cerritos come East from. East Coast girl would not never know that. <laughs> I know. Sorry about that. That's, a, I guess, well, an inside joke on the series. I didn't make a connection either. It's okay. Um, <laughs> um, no, so I went to Cerritos College while I, while I was working at, at, at in the aerospace, aerospace company because they wanted me to go get certified for the different types of materials and so on because mm-hmm. they had no one on their staff who, who was doing mm-hmm. that so i would leave work at 4 30 in the afternoon drive from los angeles and actually they they were all the way over on the other side mm-hmm. of the of the valley <laughs> i would get in my car drive basically an hour and a half to go to cerritos do That's my class for right. two, do my class for two and a half hours get back in the car and drive all the way back home which they weren't paying for, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I was like, you guys said you would pay for this. Huh? Huh. Um, so I was already, when I went there, I was already doing fiberglass mm. myself, resin casting, silicone mm-hmm. molding, 
plaster molds back forming and so on. Um, so when I got there after going through stuff with the teacher, the teacher's like, so you already know how to do all this. I go, well, I'm trying to take the class to get certified and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, he's like, okay, so you're just going to be my, my teacher's assistant while you're here <laughs> so that I can take the really stupid people over there and you can talk to the people who have a brain in their head over here. Oh, nice. okay. And what does that mean? He goes, well, then at the end, you'll decide and tell me what grade you're going to get. <laughs> that was easy. I went, that oh, okay. Well, because uh -huh. I was bringing, because everybody else was like, okay, you guys have to come up with a project to make. Uh -huh. And they're like, well, we don't know how to make a mold. We don't know how to sculpt. <laughs> so we were teaching them how to do, uh, uh, you know, it, it's silhouettes mm -hmm. that oh, you okay. put into a thing. And then you would, you would push plaster into all that mm. to make the forms and then sand them and, and then back your form on top of that. I was just bringing in my own stuff from home. I was already working on. You know, the, the first mold I brought to vacuum format in the class was, uh, if you remember the old uh, uh, movie War of the Worlds. Yes. With the Martian war machines. Yes. Well, I had I had made molds of that. I had sculpted it and made molds, brought those in the class, vacuum formed my parts, and then a couple of the other students wanted to do it. You know, like I don't care, whatever, yeah. do whatever you want. And then take the molds home. And uh, the teacher's like, so why are you actually in this class? <laughs> oh, I kind of need it for my job, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> goes, okay. One of those, one of those types of jobs. I said, yeah, one of those jobs. Yeah. He goes, okay, <laughs> we'll work it out either way. So, you know, so we went through the process of making molds, how to bend plastic, how to vacuum form how to uh use injection molding machines mm. and stuff like that so that kind of that's that's basically where your education came from it was either either on the job or yes through this so mm -hmm. and most of the stuff that i knew i knew long before i had a job in most of these right. fields and I so love, you, oh, go ahead, Adina, I'm sorry. I was going to say, so would you say, so for someone who is, you know, watching TV, watching movies today and is mm -hmm. very, has some skills, you know, is a, has abilities to sculpt or do you think this is a valid a way to, to get into the field today is not, not having any kind of formal education or, you know, because I'm always looking for the, I, I talk to a lot of students about coming into like, you know, STEM technology fields, mm -hmm. but recognizing yeah. that that kind of academic college is truly not for everybody. And so are, you know, where are the, where are the other interesting fields that you don't need that kind of a degree or any kind of degree to, to do? Wow. Sorry. I didn't mean. No. Oh no. I'm looking at the picture of major up in the, oh, over your right. Oh, shoulder. my, right. Yes. <laughs> that was from 1991 or so. Yeah, she's got and my name is spelled wrong on it. <laughs> um, well, okay. So, so we're going to go ahead and open up the can of worms that you, <laughs> that you just brought in. Sorry. No, no, no. Because it's, it's all a matter of, 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 of people who are self-starters mm -hmm. and have personal drive. Because once again, you can't teach someone to be a self-starter and you can't mm -hmm. teach anyone to have, to have uh, you know, personal drive. 
Yeah. For the audience, we were talking a little bit about that before we actually hit record yeah. this evening. <laughs> so, so what it comes down to is, is anyone who comes up to me, I mean, I, we occasionally will do a, have an intern in. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one, her name was uh, Addie, and she was coming from a uh, school in Buena Park. Mm-hmm. And it was a film, uh, she was studying film, filmmaking. And she was very motivated, wanted to learn. She, and, and I'll just go over that I've had people who were just not. Right, right. That mm-hmm. were like, <laughs> just tell me what you want me to do, yeah. and I'll do it. It's like, okay. <laughs> So she wasn't, when she got to us, she wasn't thinking outside the box because mm. the school wasn't really teaching her that there are, mm. there, there isn't, there, there's always a way to do something. You just haven't thought of it yet. Mm-hmm. Or somebody else hasn't thought of that process right. yet. You know, just like when, when the Apollo mission, you know, when the, when the scrubbers went down, mm-hmm. you know, and they, came up with something that you know with everybody involved going well what if we had tape and blah blah yeah. same type of, of you know thinking outside the box everything doesn't have to be cut and dry um and as i try and explain to people when i'm trying to teach them how to do puppets to make puppets as i tell them there is no wrong way to make a puppet as long as you can make someone laugh or mm get their con- their face con a- attached to this inanimate mm-hmm. object you are now invisible you've succeeded mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um so with that that uh i i like having people who are motivated that want to succeed that want to do this i try and help everybody i can but when you have people who are are self-motivating and want to learn these all these new things. Mm-hmm. It helps you so you know so much. So she's now working for Disney on a children's show. Oh, fantastic! I, I don't remember what it is. It's I, I know it's supposedly big uh, big to do. It's like whatever. Um, <laughs> and and I still talk to her, mm-hmm. you know, and you know she'll call me occasionally, going, "Okay, so here's my problem." I need to do this. What do you think? And I go, well, what do you think? You know, and then we'll bounce a few things off and I go, Mm -hmm. okay. So instead of you going to all that trouble, why don't you just take a block of ice and a blowtorch and make a trench in that block of ice. And basically they wanted to to do this, their slime thing that they do Mm -hmm. on some of those shows. Mm -hmm. Cause there used to be like a, what was it? Um, There for, for fancy places, they would take a block of ice that has a, a groove in it and pour whiskey or something down it into your glass. Ah, huh. uh, so yes, they, yes. Well, mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they were doing a play on that with gravy <laughs> oh, and a block of ice. Cold <laughs> and, gravy. And they, and they were talking, and all of the, the, the executives were talking about, okay, so we'll have this acrylic piece of ice made and go through all this. And I'm like, okay, but... What's your budget? I t- she tells me her budget. I go, you can't even for- afford the raw materials. <laughs> I said, so here's what you do. You go over to the ice company, get a block of ice, which is going to cost you a hundred bucks or so. Then you go to the hardware store and you'll get a blowtorch with, with five or six containers of things. 
and you melt the center out. I said you can chip it out with with a you know a drill yeah, hammer first, and then blow torch it so it's smooth. I said, "Tada! You're done. You're going to use this. You're going to use this for for what? An hour? It should last. Well, it's not the problem of it lasting. You also didn't spend four grand. Yeah, no. On yeah. on on something that they didn't have money for anyway. Yeah. Well, speaking about yeah, speaking about props uh, and doing something like that. Has there been any specific prop that you've made for a movie, you know, TV show, something that was like they came to you and said, "Can you do this?" And you looked and said, "Yeah, I can." And then you walked back afterwards and you said, "Wow, they came out better than I like." Is there anything from <laughs> one of the Star Trek series or movies or something like that that you've done in science fiction? <sighs> So, so basically something that, that I I was asked to do something and I thought and I was going to do it, but it came out better than I expected. I think that's a good good way of saying it. In some wondering. cases, that's almost all of it because when you're talking about episodic <laughs> TV, mm-hmm. we only have six days to build anything. Mm. So wait, wait. And, it, and it doesn't matter whether it's 50 items or one. When you say six days, though, is that from... Like, is that the actual building day or like, oh, is that when oh. you get the idea or? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Like, <laughs> I guess I don't know how, I'll, I don't know I'll the quali- timing of how any of this works. I'll qualify it. Okay. Okay. Star Trek mm-hmm. had an eight day shooting schedule. Okay. First day of shooting, last day of shooting, eight days. Okay. We had a maximum of six days to build everything. So it had to be that done we, two we, days before shooting start. Basically, no. <laughs> while no, they were case, shooting, some cases oh. we get the designs while they're shooting. Oh wow! And then have two days to get it to set. Mm. So, from a Star <laughs> Trek perspective, I guess in, in Star Trek land. So, then what 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 would have been? Do you do you have a recollection of like a what might have been the most challenging episode that you worked on? Most challenging. I, I can't say that there's a most challenging because they all have their own aspects. It's like, sure, you know, in aerospace, when you're doing this, you're like, you want to, uh, you understand that you can't create <laughs> that diamond that quickly. <laughs> but anyway, um, we had uh, on Voyager, for instance, we had uh, the Herogians, who are those big guys with the armor, sure, yeah. and they have mm-hmm. four foot rifles. Well, they wanted those rifles. To be chrome. And the only way to make it be real chrome is was to electroplate it. Mm-hmm. So we designed the rifle in my shop, mm-hmm. got it approved by the prop master, who then had to take it to the producer for them to go, yes. Mm. It came back, that was two days. And then we had to sculpt it, vacuum the parts, assemble them, and we needed two days for electroplating. <laughs> so we built two rifles mm-hmm. in basically two days, took them to the electroplater, had them electroplated, got them back, and then had to finish everything. Wow. Put the electronics in them, any straps, all these other details and stuff. And then deliver it to set. Wow! So that was very challenging. Or 
when we made for DS9, we made the Bajoran rifles. The Bajoran rifles were, um, we had to make 14 of them. We got the drawing on, on, uh, on Friday about four o'clock p.m. <laughs> and we had to have all of them done by Monday morning. Wow. So, and, and that included, <laughs> that included hard copies and rubber copies. Mm. Rubbers take longer to do across the board because mm. you have to put an armature in them. You have to, they're harder to paint. <laughs> ah, interesting. That's so, yeah. I, I have this image that all these things are done before shooting for an episode begins. That, that's it, that's <laughs> what my outside the industry image of all this is everything is in place. <laughs> well, I love, I love the story. I watched a video, Michael, of uh, from your uh, company's page of you talking about various props. And uh, I got to say, I was fixated on the DS9 tricorder. Uh, just um, Mark, Mark gorgeous I. yeah just gorgeous design and you held it very close to the camera and we got a real nice shot of that highly recommend people check that out we'll put a link to that video on our podcast notes if that's okay with you sir and oh sure yeah um, I, have, I can look at my whole channel on YouTube. cool cool but that that one is i'm kind of a tricorder geek I think they're some of the coolest props. So to see you talk about that in that video was pretty cool. That that to me was, I was nerding out big time going, <laughs> I get to talk to the guy who created that. So. Well, we also get a lot of people who, who are constantly asking us, how long did it take us to design it in the computer and print it? <laughs> oh, really? And it was like, <laughs> there wasn't any designing it in the computer and printing it. Uh-uh. Nobody could ever afford that back then. <laughs> I mean, laser laser cutters were, you know, uh, $160,000 back then. Nobody's going right. to buy one of those. Right. Right. And I also, I also love, as part of your story, sir, um, how as a little kid you were showing your creativity and your desire to learn how things work and how to fix things. That is there, I, I just, in, in my field, when I'm constantly looking for people that have leadership, mm-hmm. people that have a spark and energy about them, and uh, as, as young as I possibly can, just to start encouraging them, hey, that might be a natural gift you have that you're going to use one day for either as a career or as a fantastic hobby, something you enjoy that's going to be something to the not just your own benefit but other people's enjoyment as well um so i think it's super cool that you at a very young age had that in you um and then also it sounds like you had mentors too that really encouraged you and helped you along the way well okay so no (laughs) (laughs) my my father uh was a teamster know driver okay. big trucks and stuff mm-hmm. he worked in the film industry and he wanted me to become a driver mm. and it was like well you know you could i can get you in the union you can be a, a union driver for the show and it was like yeah but dad that's not my thing mm-hmm. i respected the job because it's a very important job no, sure. nothing gets anywhere without a driver oh, somebody yeah. who's driving a truck or, mm-hmm. or, or, or a train or something 
he tried to discourage me early on. But later on, as he saw that I was doing stuff, he was very encouraging after that. My mother was right. very encouraging the entire mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it was out of his concern that I wasn't going to be some guy, mm. you know, working for some, you know, some company and making, you know, $2 an hour. Right, right. Or something mm -hmm. like that. And I understand it. And I, and I respect that. Um, and I appreciate that later on that he encouraged mm -hmm. me to continue doing. In fact, I worked with my father on um, on insurrection, Star Trek oh, insurrection. Uh, he was we were on Paramount lot, and I didn't know he was on the show. And I show up with some of the Sulaban or not Sulaban um, Sona pieces that we had done for the costumes. And I see him and I go, "Hey, Dad, are you working on this show?" He goes, <laughs> "Oh yeah." So he started introducing me to everybody on uh on, on his side because i used to when i when my father used to work at universal studios he was the driving coordinator for quincy i don't know oh, if any of you know yeah yeah quincy uh murder she wrote and so on <laughs> and i was always trying to go on get on the set and to see how things are going um the one day, the one day that was amazing for me was I was in high school, and my friend and I decided we were not going to school unless we got to go to the Universal lot with my dad for the day first. <laughs> so my dad picked me up um, with my friend, and we went to the set of Quincy, and we're like, "Yeah, Dad, this is boring. How do these people do it?" <laughs> and he goes. Well, I talked to my friend over next door at the other soundstage. Why don't we go over there? I said, oh, okay. Hopefully it's more exciting. <laughs> so he walks us down the stairs, back up some stairs, and then in. And where are we? We are on the set of Buck Rogers. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> with, with Gil Gerard standing right right there. And um, Aaron, Aaron Gray is standing right yeah. there mm -hmm. in, her, in her blue spandex outfit. And as a teenager, we were like, whoa, <laughs> he's almost naked. <laughs> you know, that's a great story. So, so, yeah. so, you know, so I, I liked always visiting sets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So later on, you know, seeing my dad on a set that I was working on as well as he was, was, mm. was kind of amazing. That's um, pretty cool. That's really cool. But as far as, but as far as, people who are encouraging see that's the thing is not everybody gets it when you're talking about the mm -hmm. film industry or mm -hmm. stuff or oh well you just want to make bloody gory stuff you're never going to do anything with that mm -hmm. and you know and some people go yeah well that's fine you know mm -hmm. um, i have a regular job and i shoot my horror movies on the weekend so what's mm -hmm. the problem right and that's yeah. fine that's <laughs> and that's that's their thing i mm -hmm. i actually love that because look you can still put it out there, especially now with YouTube and all these other things and your mm -hmm. own website. But for motivation, okay, for me, motivation was when I had my first kids. I shouldn't say my first kids, my only kids. I have, <laughs> I have, I have two boys and a girl. With my first son, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do this. Okay, let's get you that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I showed my son how to do stop motion animation, mm -hmm. you know, and went through stuff. And then 
I went on to do something else. And he later on showed me his, uh, his stop motion animation with Legos, which was like, wow, that's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now do some more. Then he got into other things. And then he got into other things, draw, mm-hmm. drawing it. Then he said, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do stories. Okay. To do stories. And that's kind of what I've done with all of my kids, because mm-hmm. if you don't um, encourage them, then they're going to lose interest in what they like. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the major thing is, is, you know, there's a meme going around is, is that uh, I think it was John Lennon who said that every child is an artist until they're told them until they're told that they're not. Yeah. Okay. And it's true. Every child is an artist. You know, mm-hmm. when I was younger, I used to sing a lot. I don't sing. I'm self-conscious now about it mm. because I went through, I was in the choir. I was, you know, this guy, that guy, you know, uh, and then as my voice changed, I was told you suck. Don't do this anymore. <laughs> and so on. Mm-hmm. So kind of just, you know, yeah. But what you said about, you know, every child is an artist. That's why uh, refrigerators are magnetic or can accept magnets. So you can put all their artwork on the refrigerator to show off everyone because you're, as far as you're concerned, your kid is an artist. And anything they create is is that. Oh, yeah. We had it all over the house. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All over the house. But also looking at your, you know, your company, I think you do employ, it's a family affair, isn't it? Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm the president. My wife is the vice president. Uh, my daughter is the um, uh, kind of like the network slash uh, computer stuff, mm-hmm. um, as well as consulting on other things. She's she now uh, does. Uh, she's an artist, a computer artist. She also draws by hand, but most of her her stuff nowadays is is done on the computer she does commissions every every uh, day mm. for people mm. who want uh anything from advertising to to just i want an avatar for for my game yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so basically anything so i've always encouraged that it's like okay well here's some pencils here's some colors mm-hmm. there's you know here's some copic pens that are three dollars a piece <laughs> <laughs> you now have 1200 of them please use them um, um and, and just you know in general and, sure. and see my wife is also an artist mm. you know she i don't necessarily consider myself an artist in that i could probably sculpt most things i'm, I'm more of the jack of all trades master mm. of none mm-hmm. whereas most of my family are like specialized that I do this. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, right. be that, <laughs> do it. But but while you're doing that, think about this over here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm all for encouraging kids to to uh, pursue their dreams, mm-hmm. but also too at the same time, okay have your backup plan, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so that maybe you're not quite there with your art. So while you're working at Walmart or blah, 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 whatever, 
um, to support your habit of doing art. Yeah. 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 I remember, I remember the day and my father watches this or watches, he listens to this program. He's a new listener, by the way. Hey dad. I remember a day in my life. I wanted to be, um, I wanted someone to hear me sing and to offer to pay me a million dollars to tour around the world to do that. That was my dream. Right. And so, um, I, one day after high school, very shortly after I graduated, and, you know, my parents were bugging me about the college thing, you know, uh, I went in, I remember going into the living room, both my parents were in the room, and uh, I declared that I would did not need college because I was just going to sing. And if I sang enough in enough places, uh, someone would just f- discover me and say, here's a million dollars, you know, pay me a lot of money to do that. And after they both stopped laughing, um, <laughs> uh, I remember them saying, uh, you know, cause I was quite bold and naive. They said, that's wonderful, but you need a backup plan. Go for that. Cause you need to be able to, but eat. right, right. <laughs> one day, I mean, one day, the goal of every parent, most parents is that one day their children will actually leave their house and they will have to stop paying for everything. Um, well, okay. So, <laughs> so, I'm okay with the stop paying for everything. I don't want them to leave me though. But in a, in, you know, after they're ready, after they've been prepared and they're going, going for life, you know, ready to do that. So, um, but I, I've, I've always had parents. I mean, that's kind of a cute little story, but that always supported me and mm-hmm. said, go for it. Um, but don't expect it to come easy. And don't get expected to just be handed anything like work hard. And that's your work best shot. Your to Yeah. That's your best shot to stand out, to have a good work mm-hmm. ethic and to, to really go for it. And, uh, and it just, as you talked about interns, you know, I had various interns that were ready to learn eager to, you know, wanted to succeed. Mm-hmm. That's a key to any industry. Anything we do yep. is to have a hunger to succeed and have a work ethic to back it up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room all the time. Be the hardest worker. No, yeah. and, and and have and have for the lack of a better term, having a vision. Okay. Yeah, so great. some of the best inventions ever created were by people who just had a thought or a vision of something. Mm-hmm. And then they may they themselves may not have created it per se, mm-hmm. but they inspired or had help from someone who had the ability yeah. to do it, you know, cause, cause there's people every day who walk down the street who have great ideas. It's just, how do you implement that idea? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's daunting and scary. It, it is. But I would say today though, people have, I feel like a bet with the internet and everything being online, they have a much better chance of being able to do that. I mean, you yeah. know, growing up as a kid mm-hmm. in the eighties, uh, you know, my dad was able to provide me some computer stuff and computer instruction, but it was very limited. You know, his knowledge was very limited. The library was limited. The library had right. nothing. So it was, I, I was limited and there were these things I wanted to learn uh, and do and didn't know where to go or who to ask. And now today, everything that I would have wanted to do then I could, could do today. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, so my question is with the whole encouraging of your kids is, well, what happens when you can give them anything you can you know, any, any little spark they have, you can say, yes, I'm going to go take you to the art store and you can have all the supplies. Uh, and then when they're not. like, then they're like, eh, 
And then they're like, eh, I suck. And I'm like, no, no one has told you you suck. This is coming from your own head. Oh, okay, well, okay. So let me explain <laughs> to you about artists. <laughs> Every artist hates their own work. Unless they're delusional. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know. So as, as I explain it to everyone who ever asked me of, how am I going to make money doing art? And I explain it this way is you as an artist, your expectations for your art is so far and above even what you're probably capable of mm -hmm. that you're, you, you can't obtain your goal. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you reach about here. Well, at that range, everybody that you're talking to is going, that is the most amazing thing I have ever seen. That is mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. And in reality, for the, the world out there, mm -hmm. okay, the level that you have to achieve is here. Mm. In reality, to satisfy the masses. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's fine that you want to, you want to attain this as an artist, mm -hmm. but you do that on your own art, on your own time. Mm -hmm. And you do everybody else's between here and here. Mm -hmm. And you will get paid very well <laughs> to do somewhere in between there. Mm -hmm. Because what you can, you know, it's like some artists have a lot of trouble with proportions and if you go to these science fiction conventions or movie uh, or conventions and so on, you'll see art from, a, you know, on a scale of one to 10 mm -hmm. from exactly that one to 10. And that 10 is at this level, by the way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So that level between those two is that, um, how am I going to put this? You have people who are on level one trying to sell their art at these art shows and so on. Mm -hmm. And what it comes down to is, is you as an individual, see, that's the, that's the major point about all this, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. you as an individual who feel that you don't have the ability to do any of it, look at that person who's maybe on the scale of one of artistry and goes, hmm. I like that. I recognize that. I know who that is. That's very nice. I'm going to buy that. So there is a market for beginners as well as, as, as professionals. Yeah. Okay. And, and it comes down to that, um, that anything in between that whole range, it's still all art. Mm -hmm. It's in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, even if I'm not quite getting some of that art, I may buy it just to support that art to encourage them to make mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I like something you said a, a minute ago. Cause so my, my older son is 12. So he, mm -hmm. he's 12. We don't know what he's going to do, you know, but he's at the point, the, the world is his oyster. He can, he has no, 
limitations. He could do whatever he wants. Uh, and and I love the art that he does has done. I love his motif. It's it's a really, uh -huh. really nice. But I, when I encourage him to do it, I'm like, well, why, why are you playing video games? Why aren't you doing something else? And he's like, oh, I, I suck. I'm not a good artist. The, what mm. you said and me just saying, no, you're not. He's like, well, you're my mom. You have to say that. You know, mm. I, I like what you said. I'm going to use this. It's like, well, uh -huh. sweetie, every real artist thinks their own work sucks. So I guess you're a real artist, kiddo. Yeah, show them this video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's true, though. I mean, it, it is amazing. You know, when people go, oh, that phaser that you designed and made was amazing. I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's because, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Because I'm not, I, I, I'm not in it for the praise in mm -hmm. reality. I'm in it to, oh, I'm being creative. Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just like people who say well i can draw fine but i can't sculpt hey that's me well i can you're... paint i can't sculpt or draw <laughs> okay but you're wrong okay <laughs> if you can if you can paint you can draw mm -hmm. because you're drawing with brush mm -hmm. okay if you can sculpt I mean, if you can paint and draw, you can sculpt. Mm -hmm. the, but once again, mm. remember, interpretation is interpretation. What you see in your head, because mm -hmm. that was one of the things when I was working on a, a, a movie back in the 80s. And I was like, wow, that looks nothing like the drawing. <laughs> but here's the point, is everyone's perception is different. Mm -hmm. You know, if your perception through your entire life has been one that you're colored blind, you're not going to know the subtleties of, of pink and red. You're not going to know the subtleties of X and Y. You may only see in gray tones. You may only see in red tones. You know, as color being colorblind doesn't mean you just see in black and white. It just means you can't see certain colors or certain spectrums of colors, mm -hmm. you know, just like a dog, just like other animals only have spectrums that they that they can uh, in tune on. Um, so it, it, it really comes down to is, is that, I mean, let's take Picasso for instance. <laughs> okay. Which his point in his artwork, you know, because he transitioned. His, he, transitioned. he transitioned from doing real, semi-realistic um, fruit baskets and right. flowers mm -hmm. and stuff to abstract cubism and so on. The, the stuff at the end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And once again, so some people love his beginning work and hate his ending work. Mm -hmm. Some people love his ending work and hate his, okay, mm -hmm. because there, there are some, once again, eye of the beholder, yeah. what, how is your mindset? And in some cases, when you look at his pieces, you also have to think the other, here, here's the other, other problem I always have with, with artists and everybody. And I mean, everybody <laughs> <laughs> is that. When you are taught what things are, you are taught that to look at things a specific way. Mm -hmm. So in some cases, when you have a 
color variance and grayscales and so on, you can only see one thing as a main image. Hmm. You can't physically, your mind won't allow you to see what's behind it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And some people can only see it the opposite way. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have people who can only, I, I don't know if it's monochromatic or what, what they would call it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, there's, there's, there's words for it. I just don't remember what it's called. Just like one of the things that they don't teach in most schools in their, if they have an art program is silhouettes. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at a silhouette of something, you either recognize it immediately or it, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you look at a silhouette of Darth Vader's helmet with his shoulders, being a science fiction fan, you know immediately who that is and what that right. is. Mm-hmm. Okay. But think about during World War One and two, and even today, mm-hmm. they have that black and white chart of <laughs> silhouettes of different airplanes correct or mm-hmm. spacecraft right mm-hmm. some people can't make that connection between that silhouette and what this is mm-hmm. so those are the people you don't put on guard duty or or or, or you know viewing <laughs> right. um right. because they're not going to see anything i love so, i love if if i can interrupt you real quick sure. i was at an art museum once and there was someone very knowledgeable there. They worked at the museum and they were kind of, you know, people were asking them questions. I asked uh-huh. them a question about a particular piece and I don't remember the artist. I don't know if it was someone very well known or not, but mm-hmm. I said, what, what am I seeing here? What, what am I supposed to see? And what do I need to get from watching this? You know, and that person very powerfully I just remember being blown away, said, well, you know, I'm really more interested in what you think you're seeing. I'd rather hear what you see in that painting Mm -hmm. than tell you Uh what you need to see or what I've been told is in that painting. He said, I'd, I'd actually be more interested. You tell me about Mm -hmm. that. And that was an amazing insight into the power of art and how people look at it in different ways. Yeah, the perception is everything in every field of art, mm-hmm. let alone whether it's clothes or anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh you know, I, I, I think that that if you can, you should always encourage your ch- children to go after what they can. Now, don't get me wrong, there were times when I was trying to encourage my kids and they went, Well, I need this. And it's like Sorry, that ain't happening. That's that's four grand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, you know, I always tried to see if I could make things happen, but you know, at, at the same time, it's like, uh, oh no, you know, creativity yeah. and inspiration. Yeah. Though my kids, we do in our house, we try to have only screen time, TV time on Friday night. We have a family pizza and movie night. And then Saturday morning, they get to pick for two, sometimes three hours, depending on what my wife and I want to get done that morning, uh-huh. um, where they can watch their own cartoon shows, whatever. Right. And we are continually amazed when we just release them to the great outdoors. 
and how they can come up with whole imaginary worlds with sticks and rocks and mm-hmm. toys and turn one toy into something totally different than what it was made for. Uh-huh. And that to me is like superb. I, mm-hmm. I just, I just, we are constantly amazed. And even though our, our, in, in our culture today where so many kids have a screen in front of them and even my daughter who is eight years old has eight year old friends that have their own cell phones and you know um, she's asking constantly, well, I'm like, I, I want to encourage her, like what you're getting, the education you're getting to be able to be released with your imagination is huge. Mm -hmm. It's teaching you problem solving. It's teaching you how to adapt Mm -hmm. to your situations and, you know, all of those things. And just this morning, I'm going to hold us something to the screen. Uh, This was yesterday. My daughter drew this. Oh, I have have no idea what the rat 100% means on the top of this, but I have a starship scale back here. Um, Uh And my son and her both were looking at that and she just, they just started drawing and my son drew something very similar to this. He's only six years old. Future space Uh, architect. He he drew, he drew, he's actually got an uncle who's in NASA and he just asked, what will it take for me to have your job at NASA and can I work with you one day? Nice. Um, Yes. So he's interested, but um I just, I'm fascinated. It's, this this interview has taken a totally different turn than I expected <laughs> it to. Um, and it's fantastic because the learning about art and then letting people go in their creativity and what it yeah. takes to do that is well, so fan, it's so interesting. So, so here, here's, some, here's something oh. to add. Here's something to add to all that. You ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One word. Puppets. And with that last word puppets we conclude this part one of our interview with michael moore thank you so much for joining us today on the big sci-fi podcast we hope you've enjoyed our time with michael moore stay tuned next week as we conclude our interview and hear heartwarming story about experience with puppets at a star trek convention you don't want to miss it we learned a lot about the industry about the business and about michael's life and uh adina and i got some good Uh, parenting tips in part two as well so do not miss it next time on the big sci-fi podcast